Welcome to Lat B, the only podcast that comes with a free bandits bonus. Lat B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 226. We're going to New York. New York. Newark, New Jersey, started that one off rough with the names already. We practiced that beforehand, still didn't end up coming through. But you know how we like to do around here. Before we get into all of that, how have you been since the last time we met here at Lab B? I am doing okay, and I am kind of glad this is the last of the stretch cards. The stretch. The last, and it's kind of a, a C card looking at it. Honestly, it did look a little rough. We got spoiled there for a little bit, having the best fight of the fight card. I like of the how year you always earlier. ask me how I am, and I always just talk about how I am as far as fighting is concerned. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's all I care about. That's all people yeah, care about. Yeah, I don't care about nothing else. <laughs> Orange is a new black. It's all right. <laughs> I've been all up in Euphoria. It's the best show. I think it's from. You will be if you check out Euphoria, you guys. It's a television show. I think it comes out on HBO. You will be enthralled in it in 20 minutes. You know how people say, if you just stick with it until the third episode, make it past season one. Okay. Not this show. 20 minutes in, you will be like, God damn. By, each episode gets better and better, and the, seer, the first season ends this, the, this coming week. I don't even know right. what the day it comes out on, because I watch it, you know. I used to watch it after Big Little Lies. But apparently that's over, and I watched the end of it. Have no recollection of what the ending was. So I'm thinking, was it good? Was it a good wow, ending? Wow, that's interesting. I might be in that same boat. I thought there was episodes left still. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. So taking a little bit of a round turnaround there. The one show that's been producing for me as of late has been Dana White Contender Series. They've been popping out every Tuesday. We just had another round of big finishes. We had probably one of the KO to KOs of the year with a jumping knee, two of them. On Tuesday's event, we had some young bloods, Cortez out of Combat to America's underdog coming through. It was interesting fight cards that we've been getting on the Contender Series. Dana White also has boxing around the corner. How do you feel about that? I don't feel anything about it yet. So It kind of seems like a step backwards. I kind of agree with that, but they want to take over the model. Dana says that boxing's been all wrong and they're going to fix it. So they're really making they're a push. They're going to fix it. We're going to give the fighters less money and take more of the... Yeah, like how's it, <laughs> how's it going to help? What's he going to go in and meddle and do? <sighs> Interesting point of view. I like it. I like it. I like it. Other bouts being signed? Anything you want to get into before we get into this 12-card event over this long little tenure we've had? Of fights, at least um, eight, nine in a row now. I like saving the Twitterverse till the end because I a lot of the stuff comes up naturally as we go. I totally agree with that. On to the 12th card bout. It's going to be headlined by Robbie Lawler versus Colby Covington for the 100. There is no belt on the line here. It is five rounds. <laughs> I want to say the interim, it's, but it's I, not because he's still got an old belt. Colby doesn't have a new belt. No, he had the he kind of had the Tony Ferguson happen to him. Right. Where he got the belt and then no one said anything when they just took it away in the night and they weren't the number one contender anymore. I, I think it's either uh, Tony got hurt, but for Colby, I actually think it was a place of he didn't have Ali as management. He also did have surgeries that he had done. 
Yeah, he tried to make it on his schedule. Exactly. He tried to make himself the A-side. Exactly. And it's not working out all the way, so he's going to have a hard matchup in the main against the former champion. But, you know, we always like to start from the bottom to the top here, and it's going to be a dirty one with two veteran fighters. We're going to have Maria Romero Borella coming in against Lauren Murphy at 125 pounds. Murphy's been a longtime veteran, been fighting since those strike force days back, back when... As far as fight career or, or fight years, she is only three years older at 36, but she's got to be in her 40s and 50s as far as MMA career because she's been around forever. Murphy comes out with some okay wins overall. She did come off of a loss to Sarah Eubanks as of late. She beat Barb Honchank, who is no longer in the UFC and I believe retired. Lost to Nico Montano, lost to Chukagian in a decision, beat Schultz, but we know what... Murphy likes to get done in there. She ends up going for those takedowns, likes to get on top, get those top heavy game going. Ooh. It was <laughs> <laughs> Again. That should be there like was nothing on. Rumble. Nothing went on. It was just a rumble. So um, <laughs> either way, Lauren Murphy, uh, all around, serviceable, not tons of power, more of a decision fighter, okay gas tank. But again, it's just been a lot of surgeries, a lot of fight years on her she doesn't have too much pop on there and if she doesn't get the takedowns she really struggles standing has limited combinations ones and twos but not really tons of pop in there more of that kill you by a thousand cuts against Borello, who is 12 and 5 she came in out of italy losing to chikagian beating tiliana santos having a couple other wins in there against faria in victa she beat dudieva but Borella strikes on the, she's serviceable as well. She's just essentially the new, newer breed of a Lauren Murphy. A little bit more power striking. Her takedown defense is not the greatest. Against middling opponents, they haven't been good. She didn't have to worry about it. Chukagian as much. But we have been able to see Barella stuck on the ground, not get up once she's there, and just kind of give up rounds. So... This tends to be a dirty-ass split for a reason. We always tell you guys to stay away from these first ones of the night. And I see Borello eking out a dirty decision. We are going to be in Newark. Do you think that matters as far as the crowd? We've been really playing this back-end story that the locals have it. And in my eyes, the local would probably be Lauren Murphy. But I don't know. Do Italians rep hard that part of the country? Because I think they do. Uh, yeah, I think you're right on that. Uh, I don't know how much they care about people from the homeland anymore. Uh, but yeah, I could see it going either way. I bet you there's a lot of Italians out in New Jersey, out in New York, just go right through the Jersey Tunnel, go and watch themselves some Romero play. <laughs> Give me a hot door. <laughs> I know that was rough. I tried to stay away from Boston, but it just ended up like my New Jersey is almost like a. It's like a New Yorker that just does, has a little more you in, in the middle of it. A little more you, guys. Like, your New Yorker is almost uh, like Robert De Niro, I think, in my head. Where okay. your, your New Jersey would be like Joe Pesci. That's where I think, <laughs> I always just think the situation. Speaking of Joe Pesci, I saw a preview for a movie called The Irishman coming out. Oh, Irishman. interesting. Yeah, it has like Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino in it. And it's a Martin Scorsese, Scorsese movie, Scorsese movie. 
Um, anyway, off topics. Yeah. So a lot of legal action coming their way. I don't actually. have anything to add to this. Barella <laughs> decision, more so on a fate of Lauren Murphy. She just has a lot of wear and years on her. Uh, both ladies aren't young, so Barella decision. I'm going to stay, stay away. Super stay away. We are going to have the slight favorite or moderate favorite here at minus 170 Barella against the plus 140 Murphy. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying 8700 for Barella against Murphy, 7500 That's a finish pretty much first round in order to pay that off for Barella. And I just and don't see that. We, we don't see that at all here. So just better to move on to the 125 pounds male division. We have Matt Schnell coming in against Jordan Espinoza. Espinoza being the newcomer to the UFC, getting a couple of bouts in the contender series or one at that. He's 14 and five, won his contender series fight over Duro in a TKO, came in the UFC against Eric Shelton, which is a humongous step up. I made a play on Shelton there. Didn't end up working out. Espinosa showing some good takedown defense. Great jab, long strikes. Really, really long for the division at 5'7". He just, you see it in his arms. He's one of these guys that his hands hang below his knees. He just has a really long uh, reach in there. And he's going to end up having not the bigger reach at 69 inches to the 72 for Schnell, who's an inch taller there. But Espinosa... Good double leg takedowns as well. Good ground and pound submissions. And it, he's more a submission defense guy. Doesn't actively go for the submissions. And he's somebody who's young and up and coming at 29 years old. He's a fun prospect in the division. He's always moving forward. He did win his debut. Or he did fight in the contender series twice. But he didn't get a contract with a submission. Um, Espinosa's gas tank in the third round really starts to wear on him. Where he gives up more that after first minute of third round. He can always come out well, but if guys keep pushing him, you can see that he has limits there. And Schnell being a longtime veteran at 13 and 4, he's had high-level competition for a while, getting over seven or eight fights in the UFC total, losing to Rob Font, losing to uh, Hector Sandoval in a TKO, which was a little surprising there. But coming back and winning three in a row against Beltran, Inoue, and Smoka, Inoue and Smoka were both two guys that were favorites over Schnell. And Schnell really put together his boxing. His wrestling's always been in his back pocket on the ground. Also one of those guys who is more defensively minded. But out of both of these fighters, he's the guy who will actively reach for that submission more. And we saw it against Smoka. And here for a long time, you've heard me always talking good stuff about Luis Smoka. I'm always trying Mm -hmm. to make money on that Mm -hmm. young man. So it surprised me. And it was really one of those... uh, Final coming together for the 29-year-old of Schnell, where he was just a wrestler for a while, then he just turned into a boxer, and now they've been enough years, and they're molding together into both. So, power's finally starting to develop a little bit into his hands. I think we got a dirty-ass fight amongst us, and I'm going to end up picking the even Schnell. I think he has one more wrinkle to the game as far as Espinoza. Uh, I think they're both live for a finish here. I think that we have a potential fight of the night. This is going to be a fun one to watch. It's a close one for a reason. Give me the plus 100 underdog in Schnell. Who do you have and why? Does it worry you at all, uh, Schnell, coming down to 125? Again, he wasn't uh, at 125 and then left because he was so chinny at 125? I think you might be right there. But I do believe Inoue was at 125. Did he move up in that last one? I um, thought his last one was. I thought the was. Smoka was at 135. You might be right there. I think you are right there. That makes me a little nervous because I remember Schnell being chinny, chin, chinny. Uh, I have Schnell decision as well. I think his veteranship pays off. 
I really want to see him at weigh-ins and see uh, the size difference of him and Jordan because this is one of the ones already I can feel myself switching on beforehand. But right now I just think um, the experience inside the UFC against the caliber of guys that he's gone against is everything here. And I think uh, the longer the fight goes, it just becomes more and more Matt Schnell's. So Schnell being the plus 100 plus or minus 130 for Espinoza, we're both picking the underdog there, but it is close. I mean, that's about to go minus even money for both guys here soon, probably by closing lines. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying 8200 for Espinoza against Matt Schnell's 8000 That's, I mean, as coin flip as it gets. It's pretty much, we're really going to see the, te- the, the veteranship tested for the young man. I, th- I love that you brought that up. Again, give me Schnell there on DraftKings. I don't know how much this one's going to end up scoring out. It was at 135 for Smoke on his Thank last you. fight. That's weird to me. Ooh, I'm going to look back, though, further if you have other stuff to say. I was just going to say, with the weight, last week it didn't work out for us. He got knocked out by Hector Sandoval, who doesn't knock anybody out as well. I just wanted to check the weight. That was back at 125 again. Right. I'm thinking his wins come at the heavier weight, and he is chinny-chin-chin when he is, you know, how's that? He, he TJ Dillashaw's. Interesting. That is what I'm. I like what you're saying. I like what you're saying here. I'm switching to Espinosa right now. Espinosa decision. I but I I honestly to see the decision more Schnell's Espinosa will finish. It's it'll right. be because Schnell's chinny. So I'm going to do Espinosa KO round two. Wow, that's a dramatic change. It really is. That is from I don't like the weight cuts. I'm going to start becoming anti weight okay. cutter like that. It starts here. So. I was saying, with the weight cut, we had issues last week. It didn't work out for us watching all of that tape. You're still going to fall on that. You're still going to just look and see and um, make your final choice the after. issues of that weren't, didn't on the weight cut last week pay off if we would have gone with the person that looked like garbage? It's the Aspen lad. True. Yeah. I think if they look like garbage, if they have... And sometimes they might be fine making the weight. TJ felt great. He never felt better. Right. I just think... Sometimes guys just don't have that water in the yeah. noggin or the coconut, no matter what you try by the end of that point, especially with IVs. I feel like it's all IVs. That it, is so If you true. don't have an IV, you can only just rehydrate through your stomach, which is not um, even close. Yeah, to you can't because then it has to go through the stomach, through muscles, through different parts of the body to, de- to not get to the head in time. So, okay, he has two wins at 125, too. Okay, so it was just that last fight against Smoka. So, take that for what it's worth. Okay. Moving okay. on to the Switching next one. Schnell decision. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. <laughs> that one could go anywhere. Be sure you I feel like tuned. I should just stay away from that fight. I think that's what I learned. I think that might be the actual <laughs> best call because both of these guys average Espinosa 58 points, Schnell 49 points. It's going to be in that range for 8282. I could see the DraftKings play being more Espinosa because we kind of see the finish for Espinosa more out of both of those guys. He is going to be 2,000 more, but... I don't know. I kind of think it's the dog or pass play only. I agree with you. I could see that as well. I could see that <laughs> as well. Don't even listen to this part. <laughs> <laughs> We've already went too deep yeah. in that one. On to 170 pounds, though. We're going to have a welterweight bout between Claudio Silva coming I, in against short I can notice. always tell when there's a debut. 
because I can't find a good photo. Ah, and this is one <laughs> Look of them. At this guy's full photo. <laughs> <laughs> he, looks, he looks like the Contra guy. <laughs> yeah, he's from Sega Genesis. <laughs> Against short notice replacement, Cole. And don't Williams. write me. I know Contra's not from Sega. I was about. Right. I had a whole separate thought. Everyone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Cole Williams being a short notice replacement against. Evolev, Evie, I believe it was Evie, ended up falling out about a week ago due to injury. So we're going to have Williams coming out of the United States, Iowa scene, 35 years old, 11-1, getting wins, decision wins over 12-7 type of fighters, 6-16, and 1-4 guys. He's submitting them, um, knocking them out. They were bummy. I was able to find the tape on this guy, and uh, they were definitely guys who were like, I won a bar fight last week. Yeah, I'm an MMA fighter. Let's go, buddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was definitely... They were like mankind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My ear. I left my ear in that cage. <laughs> so it was definitely not the highest level competition in there. And against Claudio Silva, uh, he's going to have a stiff test. Williams likes to be a striker in there, Muay Thai mainly, throws a 1-2 and that's maybe a 3 later into the round once he feels confident, but I don't think I ever saw a 4-punch combination even when he was winning fights in there. Uh, Submissions, he was getting it against really awkward takedowns or even reversals where he was taken down really awkwardly and then he would half-heartedly throw up the submission and his competition was just so a knowledge that he was able to get it so i just really didn't see anything i liked from williams not even a hard puncher gas tank really didn't show out so i think this is somebody who knew somebody got the shot to be on a card and uh silva's gonna end up getting a showcase about here been trying to fade him for a while the 13 and one longtime veteran in the ufc stepped away for a while has had multiple layoffs t- between two and three and four years due to injuries or just not being able to do, to get it done in there. But he has been perfect as of late, coming back four months ago and beating Danny Roberts in an armbar. And that was a fight where Roberts won every minute of that fight until all of a sudden he was starting to get submitted. Well, the, Roberts ate a couple shots, but he's a little chinny. But then it was actually the ref who didn't realize the position and... Uh, early called that because Roberts wasn't fully out or I could be off on that one that might have been I was been just about to say else. for a tape study do you watch all these fights over again I, I, <laughs> I never remember watching. so does I remember the outcome or if something egregious happened like if something was crazy or if it was a bad call I'll remember but most of the time I'm so I rely on you to remind me no it, I, I do watch most of these uh, there's some of them that I'm just like no I remember how this ended up playing out just because I don't know. In my head, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I remember the bell ringing. And then I remember what happened after the bell. That doesn't work in real life for everything else, by the way. Like, I wish I had that skill in um, finances or a bunch of other stuff. Nope. Only in MMA fights. Only in cage, UFC cage fights. I can't even do Wood it for other stuff. Wood grain knowledge. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it seeps <laughs> in. And it And I can play it in my head when needed. But uh, I am... That split decision could have been against Edwards. Their fights really played out um, interestingly at that against Roberts as well. With Roberts, though, much better competition in general. Taleb, he got a finish over Edwards. He ended up being in a split. That's just the caliber of fighter. So much higher. 
Not a good striker for Silva. On the ground is really where he gets it done. But uh, Edwards, uh, people that are good on the ground have always had trouble with him. So I think this is a matter of time till it gets to the ground. Silva shoots half-assed single-leg takedowns, but he's able to just keep chaining them together until he gets one. I don't think Cole Miller can withstand even those. So I was submission round number two. I think it's going to pro- probably end up being number one. Give me submission round number one. Silva, I'm going to probably end up putting them everywhere. This is just... Not a cali- UFC caliber fighter. You're already feeling linchpin for this, and I can see I uh, can see that kind of yep. um, action happening. Uh, Silva, and it's not just because he's going against a guy on short notice and we're sticking with what we know. It's also because Claudio Silva beat guys like Leon Edwards. Yep. Like, to me, that's huge. Uh, Leon's such an underrated guy. Uh, and Tlaib, Nordin Tlaib, underrated AF. So, Silva, submission round one. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying the most for... Silva at 9,400 against Cole Williams, 6,800, the minus 150 or 450 favorite. I mean, everyone sees it. Everyone yeah. sees. They did the tape real quick and we're like, oh, dang, this guy's going to get Every eaten alive. Every time we see this like huge, huge favorite thing going in though, of late, True. it has not been working out at all. True. It, I almost think that is more of what we sh- Nardiev should be remembered for is that that kind of underdog and coming in, even if you don't win and you make those kind of showings, like the dude against uh, that actually turned out to be legit AF that just went against uh, Magalhães. Oh, Taisuma. Taisuma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not Tai. Taisu. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, Sarukian. Sarukian. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just think these kind of ideas. So maybe don't go everywhere with it just because that hasn't been working out. So it is the most highest price fighter on DraftKings. Do you think you're going to make it a linchpin at 9-4? Because that's pretty steep to end up paying for a linchpin. Where I can afford him, I'll stick him. I agree. He's going to be highly owned as far as my cards this weekend. Moving on to 155 pounds, we're going to have returning Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman coming in against Dun Hugh Kim. Holtzman has been in the UFC for a few fights now. Ma as well. I called him Kim, by the way. Sorry about that. That's because he used to be Dung Young Kim. No. He's debuted as Dung Young Kim, the other Dung Young Kim, and changed his name to Ma after having that uh, showcase fight with Polo Reyes, fight of the year contender in there. So the maestro, Ma, in there, lost his debut in a fight of the year. Did he get married? Why did he change his last name? Because there was the other Dung Young Kim. I know, but how can you just pick your own? Like, wouldn't it be better to like go by uh, Young Kim instead of the whole thing, or Dong Kim instead of changing your last name? But maybe it's not the last name. Yeah, I, in our country, exactly. Yeah. In our country, it might be that's just the way yeah, that they so put Ma it Yeah, so Ma might here. be his nickname, but I love it. Ma, I, lo- I, I love that for a dude. Yeah, I think it works <laughs> out with that haircut. So with Ma, he definitely has been showcasing that South Korean haircut. He comes in as a tough striker, getting a couple wins in there, coming off of a loss as of late to Devontae Smith, TKO, five months ago. I mean, you know what you're getting with Ma. It's one of these South Korean fighters. He ends up throwing all of his weight into his punches, has a good left hook. OK kicks will throw a knee up there every once in a while. 
tough as nails. I mean, you really got to throw the kitchen sink at him and hurt him bad. I feel like the body shots is what I'm starting to really notice get to more of these Korean guys in their head. And that's one of those boxing things where they were always like, oh, these guys are tough in general. If it's a tough guy with a hard head, you go to the body. You go to the body and you're not ready for that. So we know what we're getting with Ma. It's going to be that striking on the ground. Okay, take down the fence. It works, but there is people that have started to now at this higher level will be able to exploit that. And once he gets on the ground, it hasn't been uh, the easiest for him to get back to his feet. And with Hot Sauce Holtzman, the 12 and 3 fighter has just come off of his second loss in the UFC to Nick Lentz. He lost to Emmett before that in a decision, got three fights in a row over Alan Patrick as a big underdog there, also beating Horcher. But Last losing to Nick Lentz in a decision, he was completely tooled apart by Nick Lentz. Nick Lentz looked like a new man. Nick Lentz officially has a new bout with the ghost of BJ Penn. We talked about it a bit, and I mean, Nick Lentz has never looked better beating such a high prospect. That's, that's my linchpin tonight. <laughs> Nick Lentz, yeah. Put that on wherever yeah, you can. Yeah, wherever now. you're making a yep. parlay, put Nick Lentz yeah. on it. <laughs> Whatever they're going to steam that line to, it's not going to be enough. Yeah. Like you, that's a lock. That's as lock as it gets. Yeah. Like Nick I Lentz. think so at this level. Yeah, yeah, at this point of their career. So Hot Sauce Holtzman really get exploited in the wrestling in there. Really got picked apart by the hands. But when he is, when Hot Sauce is able to get to the ground, that's where he shines. He did it to Patrick. He did it to better guys than Ma. And if he gets that, if he mixes in his boxing and wrestling, I think he can easily take over this fight. He's a favorite for a reason. Uh, I Ma always has, has that striker's chance because he puts all of his weight into his punches. We've been seeing these uh, South Korean fighters, especially as of late, really putting in valiant effort, especially on that last fight card, but it's still just not enough. They're going to give you a good fight. They're just not necessarily going to win it all the time. So give me Holtzman in a decision. I think he wins this 30-27. It'll be a fun one to watch. Who do you have? I actually have a late third-round finish for Holtzman. I just think, uh, like, you're right. The South Korean fighters will leave it all in there, even if uh, it's not necessarily just the strike that knocks him out. It's the exhaustion as well. Their body just cannot do it anymore. And a combination of body shots, head shots. The wrestling's a little better for Holtzman, regardless of the Nick Lentz decision. I love Nick Lentz. I think he's an extremely underrated guy in there, so going to decision with him, he has decent hands and is, like, I think the epitome of a grinder. Uh, so I just don't think the Koreans have that grind the same. They have great stand-up. Um, they're just not typically grinders. So if Holtzman can keep it on the feet, I think um, I think he wins on the feet and on the ground here. I, I know that's a little sketchy. I just think he slowly picks apart the South Korean Holtzman KO round three. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the minus one or minus 305 favorite Holtzman, 9,300. For Ma, you're going to end up playing 6,900 on DraftKings. Hmm. Do you think you're going to play that underdog anywhere at plus 235? I don't think so. I agree. I think it's Holtzman only, but at 9-3, he's got to get a finish yeah, to pay that off. Yeah, something I could see myself. I don't know. I don't know. If you if you you, you could put Ma, because I don't see him getting finished super early. Um, 
if you were just trying to afford a whole bunch of other people, but you'd only do that if you were trying to afford Scott Holtzman. <laughs> Holtzman know. has scored over 100 times, over five times in his fights in the UFC. So you want Holtzman on your card. He has that potential to also yeah. score, but it's also because he has a takedown heavy game. So that's going to have to really play for him. I like what you're saying with the late finish, but 9-3 is as steep as it gets. I mean, Claudio Silva, the only guy being more expensive... I'm going to be limited, but out of the two, I am going to be putting Holtzman on a few of those cards and have to figure out some underdogs to put on throughout the night because it's going to be steep on that one. Anything left with those two gentlemen? Moving on to 185 pounds, we're going to have Gerald Mearshart coming in against Trevor Trevin Giles. Giles being 11-1, getting his first loss ever against Zach Cummings' guillotine two months ago. Prior to that, he beat... Uh, Neto BJJ and also be the James Baknovich in a TKO on the ground. Ended up watching that Baknovich fight again. Um, Baknovich, not UFC caliber fighter. Even the win Neto GJJ, that's a retiring fighter, might be even retired by this point. And then once he got in there against a guy who he was a big favorite against Zach Cummings. Zach Cummings was able to eat those shots and keep it where he wanted. And Trevin Giles' gas tank really, really, really played into it. He's a guy that is a front runner for me. Not only is he a front runner, he still gasses and holds on more in that third round. He's gotten a couple finishes, but it's against, again, low, low level competition. Once you test his might at times, he doesn't necessarily quit. He just doesn't have that extra little oomph to get the hips over and can be exploited against good wrestlers. Mershart isn't necessarily that, though. At 29 and 11, the metalhead himself last coming off of a lost star Jack Hermanson, who we love here, and Kevin Holland's split decision four months ago. I thought, going back to that Holland fight, I didn't really see it as a split. Well, no, he, he got the takedowns, and Holland's kind of was off of his back. Either way, it was controversial, and it was just a lot of rolling on the ground. Some people say it's boring. Mershart's ground game can be boring at times just because it doesn't look technical. There's times where he just kind of rolls and rolls and rolls, and there's value to that, but he'll end up sometimes fully mounted because of it instead of actively looking for a way out. I don't know if Trevin Giles, though, on the ground is going to have such an easy time with uh, Mershart because he can handle himself on the ground. He has does have a good gas tank. Mershart's one of these guys that puts you in deep water and in that third round can really lay that ground and pound. So I feel like Giles could be, and striking-wise, Mershart's really uh, interesting. He'll throw spinning back fists or just awkward strikes. Not most technically sound, but does it'll catch you off guard. Does that look like Mershart? <laughs> <laughs> Totally. <laughs> There's like a movie that came out in like the 70s meatballs. or 80s called Meatballs, if you haven't seen it. And uh, there's an alien in that called Meathead as his nickname. And every time I see Gerald Mershart, I always think it looks like Meathead. Anyways, for our YouTube audience, this is a special gift for you that you actually get to see it. But if you're an audio listener, do yourself the favor and Google Alien from the Meatballs movie. Go on, sorry. <laughs> Not much more to say other than my pick right now is going to be Giles, but I'm really hesitant on this. I think I'm not going to expose myself too much to this fight at all because it's really volatile. Either guy can get a submission here. The guy with a bit more power is going to be Giles, but the gas tank really goes to Mershart here, and he's got a solid chin. He's not someone that's easy to finish in there at all whatsoever. Give me Giles. Dirty split, but I think this... 
This can have an under the distance prop. I also see it just turning into a scramble fest. I'm going to be tentative here. Who do you have in this fight and why? I don't know how Guile's ground game is, and Mearshart is one of my favorite underdogs. I tend to pull for him more than most, but I'm usually right on him. I feel like I have a really good record with Mearshart because I didn't have Jack Hermanson against him because Jack's my boy. And the Kevin Holland fight, like you're saying, that was pretty sketchy. A lot of people felt like Gerald Gerald Mearshart won that fight. Um, I have Mearshart submission. Submission. Mearshart is a weird word to say with submission. And to not accidentally say shit or shart, but his name actually is Shart. Mere shart, like a mere cat, shart, mere shart. Yep. Submission. Round two. I don't know how Trevin Giles' got ground game is at all. He's good on top, not so much on the bottom. I think so. most people are good on top. boom isn't it so i was looking up the new jersey state flag yeah and they have a horse head on their flag Ooh! i thought that was such mafia (laughs) (laughs) so mafia and it seems like that's the state that would have it but i'm sure there's a reason behind it like they were like welcoming or something you tie your horse up or i'm sure there is a like everything it is i like the graphics by the way very Garden State? Yes, no, exactly, sure. exactly. <laughs> That's the only other thing I know Takes about me New Jersey. A... The Sopranos, um, the Garden State movie, so it makes me think of the shins, like... like that's a oh, hit, yep, that's it. That sounds um, just like them. What else? Bon Jovi? That's right, I did know that. that um, bagel Guy? Up and cannot forget. He's a him and Bon Jovi, same size. Frankie Edgar, is he from New Jersey? Frankie Edgar's from New Jersey, yeah. yeah. So is Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez, no, he's from Philly. Oh, my bad, my bad, Eddie, my bad. So, with anything le- or on DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the slight favorite, minus 160, Trevin Giles, 8500 For Mearshart, you're going to end up paying 7700 on DraftKings. I'm not going to be playing Giles too much there. If anything, I see what you're saying. I'll probably play Merchart 20%, 10% in Giles because I could see a finish for either guy. I could kind of see a, yeah, a submission for either one of these guys depending who I ends up on it, top. Like you said, uh, Merchart has a better chin. Yep. And I picture if Giles can't knock him out, he's not going to know what to do with him. I I kind of see that coming, especially in the third round where Mershark comes on the best. That's all tends to be Giles' worst round. Yeah. <laughs> shark, little sneak play. On to 125 pounds, we have Antonina Shevchenko, big sister Shev, coming in against Lucy Pudelova. Pudelova coming in with a 8-4 record, losing her last two to Liz Carmouche. Prior to that, Irene Aldana in a split decision. She's beat the people like Sarah Morass. Jan Kim lost to Lena Landsberg in a decision. Pudilova being 25 years old out of the Czech Republic. Every time I look at that picture of the panther. Oh, it, it changes Dang. the subject that quickly. <laughs> That's about all she's got going for her. She's so. not working. She ain't. Yeah, work, girl. Put your hair up. <laughs> so Pudilova tends to come in with uh, striking acumen on the ground. Semi-serviceable. Can kind of hold off decision or uh, submissions to an extent but not really offensive well she's gotten arm bars early in her career but that's been a while now we've been seeing Pudilova not really just show the initial 
prospectability that she had and that exact same thing could be said for Antonina Shevchenko being a big favorite as of late being a perfect 7 and 0 until she came up against her hardest opponent ever Roxanne Modafferi the librarian that you like to call in there that was a big underdog in Russia I mean you know they paid those judges and they still couldn't favor it that's how one-sided that fight ended up being for Modafferi. Yeah, you're right. And Kyrgyzstan. The Muay Thai striker and the Shevchenko sisters, we know what they do, but like we've said with many other brother-sister type of, or brother-brother type of things, there's a good one and then a not-so-good one. That's a lesser Tamor, or Tayless, as yes. we like to call yes. around here. This is our Shev. This is Shevchenko. Oh, <laughs> I love it. So, just someone who, uh, striking-wise... Has all the acumens to be a great striker in there, but just doesn't pull the trigger. Kind of counter strikes, doesn't have a lot of output. Um, can get outstruck by people with lesser striking credibility in Aldana. By all means, she should have been able to win that fight. Or, I mean, she didn't find her, but uh, either way, uh, with Shevchenko on the ground, she has real issues, and Pudilova can get it there, but she doesn't have the best shots. This is going to be a greasy fight for all the wrong reasons. This is going to be a close fight for all the wrong reasons. And it's because they just haven't grown as much. But out of the two, Pudilova has the more potential to still go further. But I just haven't liked anything I've seen. She's been fighting the better competition in Liz Carmouche, though, by far. And Aldana. Yeah, Liz Carmouche is fighting For the belt again. Val. Again. Yeah. She's fought multiple times for that belt. So the fact that she went to decision there. Gimme Pudilova. Just can't trust. Shevchenko, it's Shevchenko. No. And I think that sums it up there. <laughs> I think that's a really smart play. I'm leaning. I'm like, okay, she's got a good training partner. Valentina, what we know of her is every single time she got in the octagon, she just got better and better and better and better because she used to not pull the trigger. Now she does. I'm just hoping. I'm giving... Big sister Chev, some of the bullets. Kudos here. Again, give me Shevchenko. I think it's a dirty-ass decision, but this is not how great I feel about Antonina. It's more that Lucy Pudlova has never really stepped up for me. True. It's like, I thought she was going to be one of these hot tickets that came out of the box. And then, you know, Irene O'Donna and Liz Carmouche are not bad losses. No. And decisions at that. A split to Aldana. Who did Aldana just fight? She just ended up fighting Davis. Alexis Davis. How'd she do it? No, she... no, 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 no. No, it wasn't that. She just lost a decision. It, oh, it was against uh, Raquel Pennington. Hmm. She just lost to Rocky. That was right. Rocky Pennington. Oof. This one. And we're in New Jersey, so we don't have to worry about... Nah, 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 nah. They love the Shevchenko sisters. It's going to end up being a point fight. If she gets her down, though, it's awful. I got Shevchenko decision. I could change this one. I could, too. Fight day. I think this is a big, fat stay away. I Low totally score. agree. Low score. I, so, I kind of am reading a dirty-ass split. I like that, too. 100%, but there's no way you can pay... Minus. If a takedown happens, the reason I don't see a dirty split, if the takedown happens, it's going to continue to happen. And it's just going to be right. so one-sided. But I don't... If it's a stand-up, I think Shevchenko can eke out the point fight. Budalova hasn't shot one takedown in the UFC. 
then I think it's Shevchenko is a little safe. And I think if it's just a point fight, that's what the Shevchenkos do. True, 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 true. Still, for the stunt she just pulled recently against Modafferi um, in Russia, minus 175, I just don't see you yeah, having that much this confidence. Be a coin flip. Not that much confidence. And on DraftKings, 8,600 for Shevchenko. I can't put that anywhere. But Pudilova, 7,600 plus 145. It's not the worst shot. She has she has been able to have high output throwing over 100 strikes before in her fight. So if she's moving forward where out of both ladies, I feel like the volume goes to Pudilova even if she's getting outstruck. Shevchenko will sit back and turn into that counter striker. She doesn't move forward and that just isn't good on drafting. So the play only for me is going to be Pudilova, if anything. But the best move is to stay away from that dirty I ass like play. That. I like that. On to 170 pounds, we're going to end up having Mickey Gall come in against Salim Tahuri. Tahuri being 10-3 and three, coming out of Poland, losing his last two fights in the UFC against Nakamura seven months ago. Prior to that, to Warley Alves in a decision. And that was his debut. Short notice, Warley Alves. That is a humongous step up regardless of who you are and the fact that he came in and let it go to only a decision, mm -hmm. I think really uh, spoke well for him. I feel like he was the favorite against Nakamura and lost a controversial split decision there as well. Again, it's a lot of that wrestling game that ended up uh, doing it for him or getting being the worst part of Tahuri striking-wise. He's got pop in his right hand, sets up uh, good strikes. He could be better, but uh, he definitely have has had some uh, reputable fighters in there that he's been fighting Tahuri's takedown defense is limited, but I think that these guys' takedown, especially Nakamura's, is wrestling, is really underrated. Where in that Worley Alves fight, once Tahuri was able to stop a couple of takedowns, you saw Worley Alves get scared of that power. And I feel like Tahuri can withstand, if he gets taken to the ground down by Mickey Gall, he can withstand uh, the submission attempts up until he's able to get back to the feet. And then striking-wise, Mickey Gall has really been underwhelming really likes to get it to the ground as quickly as possible the five and two fighter has pretty much spent all his time in the ufc getting fights against uh cm punk mike jackson sage northcutt randy brown isn't it kind of funny that cm punk and ben Askren have a similar ufc career <laughs> well ben Askren won a fight in the ufc kind of no, a lot he, of people a lot of people though but cm punk didn't even get close ever I know, but uh, it's just uh, the first fight with Robbie Lawler, a lot of people are like, I don't believe he bought that, or Robbie could have won, or whatever. I might be one of those people. I'm just, he could have lost it. Um, and then the second fight, he just got murked in six seconds. <laughs> so is that really better than at least CM Punk survived like a whole fight to make it but to the end? CM Punk's second fight was against a photographer who's never been, who's never fought in the UFC again. Because... I understand. <laughs> like, I just ridiculous. think they... CM Punk has actually had a longer UFC career than Ben Askren. True. Well, UFC career, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And he's been inside the Octagon... UFC Octagon more than Ben Askren. True. Spent more time. That's true. <laughs> it's just weird. It's, a it's good just point. like a weird... That's a good point. But uh, Mickey Gall here, he's had some really interesting matchups as of late, being a huge favorite against Diego Sanchez. The light guy in there ended up really using his wrestling to take over the fight. We had Mickey Gall biting Diego Sanchez. He was so upset underneath him there. So Mickey Gall, still a young man at 27 years old, still learning a lot. Um, 
He's coming out of that, is it Luozon fight systems? No, Gracie, New Jersey. You need a Jersey boy in here. You got him. He's going to be repping the hometown. You know the judges are going to be in his corner for sure. I feel like the only way Tahuri wins this fight is finishing Mickey Gall. Because I feel like if it does go to the judges, it's going to end up going to the local guy. But I do see Tahuri being able to have the power and the strong enough attributes, which is the takedown defense, to keep it where he wants it. And once it's striking, Mickey Gall is not a good striker. Go back to his strikes. He's developing. He's still growing, but he's not a good striker. And you can see in all of his fights, once he gets on the ground and it's not working, he just kind of loses. So I'm going to go with Tahuri decision. This is a minus 115, minus 115, the epitome of a coin flip. I mean... Mickey Gall, I believe, was a slight favorite when the lines opened, but uh, a lot of people have been seeing what we're seeing here. I like Tahuri in this spot. Give me Tahuri. But he's got to finish, and for that matter, I'm going to play him on DraftKings because that's the way I see he's got to he's got to do it, and I think he can. I think Tahuri's a far better fighter all the way around. Who do you have in this fight? I also think Tahuri, and I actually think he can finish. I think uh, he can work not only uh, great, he has better striking all the way around and not only strikes to the head, but I think he's going to pick apart that soft body of Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall is one of those guys that talked himself into this position, and I just don't think he's UFC caliber. I would actually put Mickey Gall back on the contender series. <laughs> wow. And make him earn his spot here. Uh, Tuhari's gone against a lot better competition um, and looked better against that competition. Diego Sanchez is a guy we're trying to forever fade. And it that the way he brutalized Mickey Gall gave me the wrong idea about Diego Sanchez. I know better. He beat Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall. So Salem to hurry. I like him. And I also am going to put him on my DraftKings. I see him finishing Mickey. I It's less to do with how much I like to hurry, but I actually think this is the caliber of guy he should be going against right now as 124 ranked. He should be going against an 83 ranked guy, not against one of the guys that's top 30 in the world. So let's walk him up slowly. He's 29 years old. You know I love a Polish fighter. And really, I'm just starting to hate Mickey Gall. I'm There's like a lot of people. I'm starting to dislike him. There's a lot of people. I am not against KO round that. Two. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the even fighter, even money fighter, Tahuri at 8300 against Mickey Gall, 7900 So Tahuri was the slight favorite opening lines. Ended up splitting up to even. So Even money. the picture, he like he's trying to be sexy in it or something. It makes me irritated. Uh, I think he's just got that kind of a face. <laughs> he's that guy. Yeah, he really is that guy. And he leans into it, doesn't have a big deal with it. Oh, about it at all so and I think Salem to hurry kind of looks like he could be related to um Tim Kennedy oh I could see that like they have the same like eyes closed together and mouth small but then like built and square jawline is that just a Polish face I don't know are you are saying all white people look like <laughs> <laughs> that just seem like white features <laughs> you know eyes and a nose a mouth they all look alike <laughs> So, Busy blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On to the main card, though. And we didn't forgot to bring it up. This is going to be a midday card here on the oh East Coast. Oh, my gosh, yeah. This is going to be starting at noon p.m. That's why you're getting this card a little early. On the West Coast, you're going to end up watching this at 9 a.m., so be sure to set your clocks. Check your local listings. If you're all over the world, you know we're internationally known here at Lat B. So thank you for that. Really been seeing the subscribes go Even up. Even in Africa. 
Every, Even. Every continent. Where were you just saying a well, little while ago? Italy finally gave us its first few I thought lessons? it was a- Maybe it was Italy, but I thought it was Africa. I feel like you're right there, but we've been given a lot of love. We but have how Italy can you not? love. The only place I think, unless somebody's down inside of a like submarine in the Arctic, we don't have any Antarctica listeners, but I don't know if anyone does. That's the next goal. I don't, you don't remember when the Fitbits came out and they saw like squares going around in the Arctic? Yes. Like and people were like, um, hey, underground bases, do a better job at hiding. Dumbs, look into it. Deep underground military bases. I know how our audience loves when I get off topic. <laughs> I love it. I definitely look into it. But it's definitely, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Make sure you're liking and subscribing and following Zoltanite, Weakneck Baby. Lappy underscore MMA and on the Instagram, LA TV underscore MMA. Did you just say that right before? Nope. Okay, perfect. Not <laughs> at all. Thank you for that. But definitely how we like to start off these main cards. It's going to be an interesting one. Is this where we're going to say that? That's this fine. Between the main cards. And is this where our commercial is going to be? I, I don't mind that. It lets us know when those televised bouts come on, when it's a pay-per-view. All right, stay tuned because we're going to have uh, fun codes coming at you, too, because you know how we like to get our fans a discount. Ooh. Get you a discount. Ooh, a little extra there. And a little extra, extra discount, decent 90s punk band. Oh, Deep uh, underground, like high school punk band. That's wow, back to the underground. And Antarctica making Antarctica, a big splash. Underground, speaking <laughs> of. Trinko Stochich versus Kennedy Nenjuku. The 205ers are going to come in, headline it, or starting off the main card in Newark, New Jersey. These guys. <laughs> Darko Stosik and the African Savage. You're racist. That's his nickname. <laughs> I didn't want to go there. I that's why I went with Zijuku. So you were like, I'm gonna say his last name. <laughs> yeah. Is it Winchuk? <laughs> She's on it today. She's on it. <laughs> so you know he ain't spending any time in Antarctica. That's for sure. The six and one fighter got his first loss ever in the UFC against Paul Craig as of late. Zinjuku being 27, coming out of Fortis MMA, that Texas scene that has been hot. For a little while now. I mean, he came off of that contender series fight with a TKO. Was a big favorite over Paul Craig. I bet him against Paul Craig. But we really saw this young man really get... See a veteran, even though it's Paul Craig. It's still a veteran showing him like, Oh, you don't have a gas tank. Oh, this is what happens when you can't knock my head off of my shoulders. And uh, Kennedy really... Had a gut check time and didn't come through. He ended up getting submitted. Triangle play, getting into that game when he was winning that fight with Paul Craig. All of a sudden, he shoots on Paul Craig. And Paul Craig's like, yeah, dude, okay, come on. Let's go. Triangled up. So hopefully we learned something. But at 27 years old, with these first losses, that's where we like to see the biggest growth in guys. That's where we're always like, oh, he learned something today. He learned that this isn't a joke. This is a UFC. Let's see where he comes back. He's at a good camp that... Uh, will pick up on that and is going to be able to show him that. And against Draco Stochich, the 13-2 fighter, he's came in the UFC and beat Jeremy Kimball in a TKO. Kimball got his walking papers after that a year ago and then came in against Devin Clark being a favorite a month ago. And if you're listening to your boy over here, you're making some cash because I picked Devin Clark. One of the hardest picks I've made in a long time because I said, I hate Devin Clark. 
But I was like, this guy only has one round worth of gas tank in him. It's, it's just all the fights I saw beforehand, but he was finding a bunch of trash cans. The only fight he had before that he lost as well was going into that second round because Stochic throws all of his weight into his punches. He is expecting to knock your head off. And again, like a Paul Craig, all of a sudden when you're still there and you have nothing left, um, it's going to be a rough fight. Devin Clark also used that veteranship. A lo- interesting how Craig and um, Devin Clark are in the same boat, kind of barely holding on. Just got these two last wins against prospects, and now they're rejuvenated. So who learned more here? Because the 27-year-old as well can learn a lot from that fight. But out of both fighters, I don't really know where Stocic is coming from. Serbia, I don't know if he's training in the States or anything. I feel like out of the two, he has more of the style where he will just stay that Mike Tyson-esque, come at you as a bulldog, throw all the weights in it, all of his weight and no punches, and then going into the second, third round. He can't breathe. He's going to carry power into that third round, but I think Zinjuku, if he decides to take him down and can get him down, has a big advantage there in striking-wise. I don't want Zinjuku to get in the pocket and strike. At distance, he can really do damage, especially with those front up kicks and head kicks that'll throw every once in a while. Give me Zinjuku decision. I could even see a finish just because of the gas tank being so bad for Stochi. You see him as being a wrestler? Who, Zinjuku? Yeah. He'll shoot more out of the two, especially out of the two, but he has shot in his fights. Gosh, I see it just being a stand-up banger. Yeah. And it's kind of nerve-wracking for all of the... They both have these like huge knockout wins, and then Devin Clark and Paul Craig... If I were going to have Devin Clark and Paul Craig go against each other, I think Devin Clark could use his wrestling in reverse to not get submitted by Paul Craig and eke out the decision. So I think that's the harder fight. I'm going with Stosic. Gosh, you want to hope it has to be a finish, but I think this is one of those fights that the prop is going to decision. I'm going Stosic decision. Um, gosh, I think it's going to get boring by then. This is going to be a totally forgettable fight. I could see that because Njuku also gets tired. So Both by the third gas. round. Yep. Both guys gas heavy. I think they're going to be banging. That first round is going to be one for the record books and then totally forgettable after the next 10 minutes. <laughs> I could see that. I like your prediction there. I have a decision the other way. This is pretty much a coin flip as well. Minus 105 for the underdogs. Njuku against minus 135 for... The or maybe they set it Stochich. up for them to stand and bang. Maybe, maybe that's the fun thing about these fights. We're gonna see how it all plays out. The underdog being seven thousand eight hundred for Zenjuku on DraftKings. I don't. I'm not gonna go. Well, it's interesting. I think Zenjuku is more likely to go to decision than Stochic. I think if he wins, it's a decision. If Stochic wins, it's a finish. So DraftKings Stochic at eight four, who I'd probably play out of the two. But I think you can speckle a little bit of Zenjuku. But we see a decision, so it's like, should we just stay away from it? Yeah, I think this is a stay, big boy stay away. Definitely. Maybe pepper it 25% either way, whether you, what, it depend, either guy. Right. Don't put both, obviously. Like, if whatever one you feel is going to win, maybe you put him on 25%, but don't go crazy. I think this is a, that's a card ruiner. That's how I see that one. I totally agree with that. That's going to be one. It could ruin it if you go heavy, but I could also see one of those guys being on the top card because it's... If it is over in the first round. Exactly. If it's over all of a sudden. So that's a really hard one to read. I feel like this whole card has a bunch of those bats mm-hmm. where it's like, ooh, this yeah. is, they're making us work. They're not letting us go into this break easily. And speaking of which, another one that's not going to be easy to break down. We have one of those dreaded double 
debuts. <laughs> I, was, I thought you were going to go past. I was like, what? You're not going to say <laughs> I had to work around it to get back to it. So we're going to end up having a main card double debut. You know how we always absolutely despise this. These ladies should be on the undercard for every single reason. There's multiple guys that have had multiple fights in the UFC. Like easily Almost any one of those under even the I would rather see cards. Shevchenko Pudlova in this spot. On the main card, right? Because yeah. it's just no, these are two prospects. I you almost put them feel like they took here, these two girls are kind of similar. We only need one of them. And we'll push one, whoever wins, and we'll drop the other. Well, we have <laughs> Hannah Goldie coming in off of that contender series against Miranda Gragger. Gragger? How would you pronounce that? Granger. Granger. The danger Granger. That's actually pretty fun. I like that. But the 125ers are both debuting. Perfect 6-0 for the Pacific Northwest 27-year-old. She has had all of her fights out of the UFC. Going against fighters with 8-3, 4-2, 4-6 She's five foot seven at 125 pounds. Tends to be taller than most of her fighters. Ended up watching, uh, I think, all but like two of her fights. And she really likes to jump for that guillotine. The interesting thing with... Well... Let's go with the Granger here because we got to break down both of these ladies. Granger it likes to keep it striking. She started um, fighting after high school because she was a cheerleader and a volleyball player. Got into MMA after she graduated and then was like, wow, I really like this. Tends to like the somewhat strike, but eventually girls shoot on her and that's because she's just really long for them. And she always put in that whizzer and go for that guillotine. But what I like with her guillotine is she uses it for her size and what James Dick used to do that he doesn't much now is she switches it to a ninja choke. So it automatically makes every lady that shoots on her all of a sudden is like, "Uh oh, my head's in danger. I got to get out of here. And she'll roll on them. She's been able to actually uh, sit down and get top position on some of these women or re-roll from here. But the reason she's able to do that at times is because it's lower level competition. There's other women that just don't understand a position, so they'll give up even worse position to try to get out. Where Goldie is, uh, I want to say she was at Alpha Male, but I'm wrong. That's just her body type. She's out of Tampa, Florida, out of Winter Springs, the UFC gym. She That's came in with all sorts of You remember her contender series fight? She's up and short. Exactly. She's Chad Mendez with a wig. Yeah. <laughs> With all love. With all love. <laughs> <laughs> he did come back. I told you he was going to come that's back. That's Ryan Favors, little sister. <laughs> yes, that's much, much better. So, uh, <laughs> Goldie is coming in with a perfect... With a wig. <laughs> but perfect 5-0. and oh, She came off of the Contender Series against a very similar fighter in Robbins and ended up out-wrestling her. Goldie really likes to throw kicks Three punch combinations, that's a good gas tank, and we'll shoot in for single and double leg takedowns. Get her to the ground all the way around. She's a Jane of all trades, master of none. She doesn't have tons of power, just better cardio. And I don't know if she has the wrestling acumen, but she does definitely has the more intelligent um, ground game when it gets down there. She does roll through at times, but these finishes that Granger has been getting, again, I didn't like what I saw from the opponents with. I feel like it wasn't very good strikers. Eventually they ended up in the clinch where I feel like Hannah has a choice here. Goldie has a choice of being able to uh, stick and move once she wants to. And even in the clinch, she's not going to get pulled down or taken down easily. So I think she gets to pick where this fight goes, where Granger has, uh, if she's losing the striking, she doesn't have the takedowns to be able to get this to the ground. So I think it stays standing. 
I am going to end up going Goldie decision. This is going to be a big fat stay away for me, though. I think this is just a decision fight. Who do you have in this fight? I have Goldie decision as well for no big reason except for she beat Jillian Anderson once and being number one in Florida says something to me. It's better than even being, like, number one in certain countries. <laughs> like, Florida has a really good MMA scene. So, okay, girl. Uh, let's work on that nickname. The Queen of Sparta is stupid. That is not 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 good at all. Uh, Danger is good only because her last name's Granger, but I'll take it. So let's work on that. Your first name, your your last name's Goldie. Her name should be Hannah Mike Goldie. <laughs> <laughs> We'll leave it at that. You guys can come up with a better one. Definitely. On DraftKings, though, you're going to end up playing for the minus 135 favorite, Goldie, 8,800 against the Danger Granger at 7,400 plus 105. I This is a big fat stay away. I you don't. It's a double debut on the main card. There's no reason that I you should have that much confidence in Goldie at all whatsoever, but... There's no way for 8,800 I can be putting her on my cards. Agreed. On to 155 pounds. I know I've been slacking in the nipple game questions as of late, but you brought it up as Everyone of late. Everyone wants to know. <laughs> it's been on the tip of everyone's tongue. Yeah. You brought it no up with... intended. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up with Corey Anderson as of late yeah. against John Jones, and we have one of the guys that really started it off with Nazrath Hapkras coming in against Hakeem Silva. Nazrath's one of those guys that's just like, whoa. I usually put only put one wrong name when we're doing it each week. This baby gas. <laughs> Always been baby gas. Always been baby gas. It's definitely. I thought about something with the nipple game, but I just couldn't fit it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hapkaras being ten and two, losing his debut against Marshine held on short notice, six days, then beating uh, Daikesi, and then Tibau Gatti as of late. The twenty-three year olds coming out of TriStar now. I know he's been jumping around from camp to camp. Striking's been really coming up as of point. So is his takedown defense. Tons of volume, hard striker. I asked in there. He didn't like any of that, and he's known to be a striker in there. But um, we've really just seen a uh, lot of growth in this short career for this young man. There's nothing but good thing. I believe he even did some time over at Black House. It could be wrong with that, but I don't feel like I am. Hopgrass, though, on the ground, we haven't seen him much because it's been really hard for his opponents who have tried to get him to the ground to get him there. I mean... Great, great sprawl. Great wizard when he needs to in there. Frames off well. And then, again, that's striking. He throws great combinations. Switches stances. I mean, watching his tape, again, the little bits that I did is just like, oh, yes, this is why he's a, a favorite here. This is why people like him. Against Joaquin Silva, the 11-1 fighter, 30-year-old, is losing a decision to Vince Pichel, which was controversial. A lot of people thought he won that fight. Last beating Jared Gordon. Prior to that, he's beat... Holbrook, he's beat Raza Madadi, um, and a couple other fighters in the UFC. But Silva comes out with great Muay Thai as well. Great knees, good clinch. Uh, go back. I that is a fun fight between him and Vince Pichel. I could see it going either way. Honestly, I don't think that that was horrible of a call. Um, but I like Pichel as well, so it was definitely close, but he definitely, Pichel got beat up in that fight. So Silva has a hard left hand, hurts a lot of people with it as well, but he tends to be a little bit more looping of the striker. 
it's interesting because it's more Brazilian Muay Thai, which is a more power-based, think of Thiago Silva, Edson Barbosa type of uh-huh. Muay Thai, when you have Hapkras coming more of, uh, I believe he started over in the Netherlands and over in those type of areas, so he has more of a Dutch kickboxing style of Muay Thai. I know their intricacies, but there there is a little bit of differences there as far as their setups, their footwork, and to me, I see the better trap setup. The more educated footwork come from the people or from the striking of uh, the Dutch style where the brute force comes from the Silva and the Muay Thai from Brazil. So really interesting dynamic here. Though on the ground, Silva has an advantage. I just don't know if he gets it there. closer to the Tiger style of Muay Thai. Silva. Silva. Yep. Hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So I got Hapcraft's decision, but I... I'm super stoked. I think this is a fighter that contender. Really excited for this. Silva's got advantages on the ground. It's going to be tough to get him there. Uh, but I think this turns into a striker's delight. This is, please, anyone who's listening, watching on this, watch it closely. Because it's going to be hot fire. Anything oh. on this bout. Everything is like, okay, you go to with baby Gastelum. I have an okay record picking with Baby Gastelum, half caress. Uh, Joaquin Silva, awful record. One of four. Like one. Interesting. One right, you guys. That's all I've gotten. So this doesn't make me feel good about either side of this fight. I got to think that at 23 and over with TriStar, so training with Faraz and the guys that are coming out of that gym, um, Nazareth just has to be doing everything right. I think Joaquim is always underrated. I always underrate him. Uh, gosh, I think this fight is, like you're saying, is definitely a fight of the night contender. I think there's going to be um, great transitions as well as or, as well as just staying on the feet and it being a banger. Um, I'm going to go with the 23-year-old here. I think it's going to be close, and I just have it uh, hack per ass by decision. But I think Joaquin, if you put him on your cards, he'll get enough points to not cost you the night, even if he loses. I actually like Joaquin better for the dollar, I think. Interesting. I agree. I think that's a live dog. I think Joaquin has live shots here. Um, Somebody's going to get 70. Somebody's going to get 90. That's how I see this point uh, going. Woo, it's a close one. Jared Gordon's a big prospect. A lot of people had him as a favorite against Silva. And Silva, that was, yeah. but he, that was just, he was, it was a staining TKO. Gordon was tough as nails. I mean, Silva really put it on him in that third round. I love what you're saying. Fight of the night contender on DraftKings. You're going to end up paying for the decided minus 235 favorite Nasrat Hapkaras. For 9100 against Joaquin Silva, 7100 plus 185. So, two to one favorite here for Nazrat. I don't think it's that easy of a fight. So, also, I I would say that the lines are off. I think so, too. I think this should be a pretty... Not a pick-em. I think Hapkaras could carry a little bit by name. Um, But it's... Gosh, and it's not a dog or pass, either. It's... I think you play these guys I think you play... I think, yes, you don't stack this card or this bout. uh, But I do think that you can... Put one or the other, and you're gonna end up having luck with that. Nine or oh, for nine thousand one hundred, though, 
I don't know about baby gas. Oh, that's I think a this lot. is a dog or pass on DraftKings. Yeah, I agree And I don't with that. think you really parlay it or try to do anything like that because this will be one that can cost you. It's going to be so close. This could be the dirty split. This could be a dirty split. I agree with that. Ooh, I agree with what that. What a good fight. And it's, it goes against all of our dirty split rules where we're usually we're like, stay away from that. But I think this is going to be such a banger and Boca has such a good chin that points are going to be like, ding, 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 ding. They're going to be like jumping on that little turtle on 3-2 of Super Mario. Ding, 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 ding. Definitely agreed with that. Anything left with either of those gentlemen for the, no. with that exciting one? On to the co-main event. We go at 155 pounds. We have two of the most tenured fighters in the UFC coming in with Clay Guida against Jim Miller. Both of these guys have been fighting forever. Jim Miller breaking records every time he fights for most winningest or most, fight, most fights ever in the UFC as well. So this is just going to add to that legacy for Jim Miller coming off of Lyme's disease, finally getting a little bit of momentum moving and forward. speaking of, uh, have you noticed all the Lyme, like, real med- publications and everything are finally bringing it up and admitting, like, hey, this is a problem, America. Yeah, 70% of Americans have Lyme <laughs> yeah, disease, like, I just noticed, like, medical journals and different things that they're finally talking about it like it's a real thing and not just a conspiracy. That's a conspiracy. But um, Jim Miller is also fighting hometown. Very, very so. good point. So he's going to get a lot of love. He I was thinking Lyme, Connecticut is also all in that area. That's why so many people have Lyme is because of um, Lyme, Connecticut. It's I in think the ground. It's Connecticut and then Plum <laughs> Island's right there. So Ooh. that's where everything... Uh, yeah, it's in the water. It's in the water. <laughs> Back to Jim Miller. So, Jim Miller. New Jersey guy. Jersey Devils. Coming off of a big win here in Florida. We watched him get his last win against Jason Gonzalez. Submission. That was one-sided. Got him so right to the ground. I'm glad you reminded me because I was like, it could have been on TV. I, didn't, I had no recollection oh, we were, there. We were there. <laughs> <laughs> we watched his kid. We saw his kids walk by. Later on, yeah. they got in the cage with him. So, all good for him. They didn't need to watch when he got it right to the ground. Ended up out grappling him easily in there. Prior to that, though, he had a tough fight against Charles Oliveira where he was finished. Beat Alex White in a submission and has got losses over Hooker and other high-level guys. Jim Miller's always been able to almost get to the dance and never really i think he's only challenged for the title once maybe maybe not even there so perennial gatekeeper but just never gotten the belt ever and against clay guida he's in that same boat he's gotten close to being a contender or challenging for the belt and then ends up coming short the 35 and 18 fighter has tons of fights in here lost to ortega but ended up being eric coke joe lozon then losing to Charles Oliveira as well by guillotine. As of late, winning over BJ Penn, or the ghost of BJ Penn. So you can't really take that into as much consideration. I feel like the real fight you got to look at is that Oliveira one. And both of those guys got dealt with accordingly. But if you go to the next fight, it's BJ Penn versus Gonzalez. Gonzalez would eat BJ Penn alive. And for that matter, uh, the MMA math plays out. I think Jim Miller ends up... Getting to the ground. Well, Clay Guida, what does he like to do? We see what that little furball loves to do. Bounce around in there. Keep it standing. He's an alpha male guy. We'll throw that overhand right nonstop. Throw a jab. Hey, Clay. Knock, knock, knock. And then, yeah. Yep. You're, we, we got the woman here to uh, braid your hair. 
Send her away. <laughs> yeah. Send her away. No needed. No needed. <laughs> Never gets it done. I wonder how that would look if he came out with braids. I'd change all my cards immediately if he was just walking down with braids. But once I see that hair going, it's going to cost you the fight. Because even if it goes to decision, judges are like, that hair's all over the place. That guy got knocked out. Look at his DraftKings picture compared to now. That hair has changed <laughs> so much. His DraftKings, he has like lots. He looks like he should Elias. be on. Yeah, he's like Pocahontas. And then on. <laughs> And uh, now he has, like, Dog the Bounty on her hair. <laughs> <laughs> and he's definitely uh, coming in to just try to, try to keep it striking up on top. Uh, submission's not really his game, more of just to take you down. So, I mean, every check mark, pretty much power, gas tank, position. Not gas tank necessarily, because Clay Guida, that's like his superpower is gas tank. So, I think, though, Jim Miller eventually gets this to the ground one way or the other and submits Clay Guida. He's been able to get submitted in there before. I mean, both of these guys are on the late stages of their career, and I think it's time for them to move on. I'm really surprised Clay Guida is only 37, honestly. I think Clay Guida could retire, but even more importantly, hey, Jim, put the gloves down in your hometown. On a win. That's a great call. On a win. Co-main event? On a win, co-main event. You're in Jersey. Put him down. I don't know if he's from Newark, but I know he's from Jersey. Sure. And I... Clay Guida has a little better hands than Jim. Jim Miller has a lot better ground game than Clay. That's how I kind of... Right. And I think um, the deficiencies, Jim doesn't really lack... uh, Like, he's not super chinny. He doesn't lack striking defense, whereas Clay lacks huge... He has huge holes in his ground game. I think this is a set-up fight. It's a set-up. That's a great point. Round one or two, Jim Miller, jumping guillotine. I can almost see it happening. I actually thought that in my head. That's why I said one way or another because I could see Jim going for the takedown, but that's really the hardest avenue against Clay Guida. But I could also see Jim just half landing an uppercut, jumping out of guillotine and rolling back. Yeah. Um, Because the power by far, I feel like, goes to Jim Miller. He's knocked out way more people than Clay Guida ever has in there. Yeah, and I even like the MMA math on it. That's everything. Jim's still going against legit dudes that are kind of climbing the ranks, whereas Clay... We've kind of been waiting for him to get hit over you since like 2014. <laughs> <laughs> the truth. So on DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the favorite. Minus 185. Jim Miller, 8,900 against Clay Guida's. Plus 150. 7,300. I think it's Jim Miller or no one. I don't think Clay Guida's live and in And you know the all. other thing I'll say? Hey, UFC, kudos. This is, if you're going to have um, your 10 years fight... Uh, let them fight each other. Like, if you're going to have BJ Penn still fight, let them fight another old guy. That's kind of how I like. I agree. Eh. I agree. You should not be fighting. Who's BJ Penn got all of a sudden? Nick Lentz? The Carney. Fucking. Kill a man in the ring. Kill a man in the ring. We don't even need to say that. I was about to say, I was about to say, how much like boxing do you want to make this anyway? And do you hear the reason that they're letting BJ Penn fight again is because everybody is worried about BJ Penn when he doesn't have fighting. Apparently he's one of those guys that's like... I've been hearing a lot of bad news about him. So, hey, if that is going to happen with or without fighting, like if it's eventually going to happen, how about less traumatic brain injury we give him and start giving him psychology? Or maybe that's a perfect thing that the UFC needs to start investing in something like NFL or something like uh, Leslie Smith with the union always talks about and some kind of retirement for these fighters. Maybe he needs to fight because there's no other options. So, and it can't be just money, but there has to be other reasons. Well, what if just like the retirement 
you have CTE protocols where you already have a name that's going to be coming X amount of times. That's that's in. That's why we need a Leslie Smith Union. Kind of the same way how, like, if you are covered by the VNA, you have to go and get checked up once a year. Yep. That should be kind of the same thing. Like, right, right. we're covered by this fighter insurance. They have to come. They check your hydration, and they check your your brain, and they do the blah, 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 blah whatever. I think that's a great idea. Why aren't we running the UFC? <laughs> cost. Cost effectiveness <laughs> yeah, is like, why. Yeah, we don't take care of fighters. Yeah, we're trying to exactly. go into boxing. Our stockholders, uh, <laughs> our stockholders matter more than our fighters, guys. So... Anything left with that, that set up a, fight. That is a. On to the main event at 170 pounds. There's no belt on the line, but it is going to go five rounds. Joe Rogan's going to be pleasantly surprised here. We are going to go <laughs> into the main event in New York. Colby Covington versus Robbie Lawler. This could have been for a belt any other point in time in the UFC. Give me this a year ago, it would have been for a belt. So, I mean, it's number one contender, essentially. How many more number one contenders do we really need? But How can it be for a number one? How can Robbie be for a number one contender? Yeah, he's off coming a up loss? a loss. Two losses. This is the Two craziest set. This fight is so, so crazy to me. It... Colby should have gotten the fight that Usman got against Woodley. Colby should probably be wearing the belt right now for all intents and purposes. I know people can say, oh, he didn't win every vote. Blah, blah. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of something. <laughs> <laughs> but Usman sketched his way in by having the better management and stole Colby's spot. Even though Colby had the belt because of the surgery, Tyron was ready to fight, which cost him his belt. He should have waited for Colby, but maybe it's better he lost to Usman for, for Woodley persona um but it's weird that he's having to fight Robbie Lawler right now it's weird to me it's weird I hate sticking up for Colby here but it's just weird it's weird I totally agree it doesn't make the most sense hopefully they're getting paid for it because this is really not the easiest fight at all whatsoever for Colby Covington um this is actually one of the more dangerous ones somebody with good takedown defense with tons of power and that's been Robbie Lawler to a T for the last years the 37 year old's been I mean in that category he left the UFC fought at strike force came back to the UFC that's how long he's been fighting started at 20 years old 37 now notoriously supposedly took two years off of sparring or doesn't spar at all anymore he's like i know how to fight i don't need to spar anymore and that kind of revitalized his career he, i mean getting wins being the champ for a and while there getting a little juice trouble where he pulled himself out of the testing for a little while wasn't there something weird like that when he moved camps from was he at att he was at ATT for a long time, but he changed camps before the Dos Anjos fight. Yeah, and he's back up in Missouri. Maybe not Missouri, but oh, he's he no longer. Orlando or just some another Florida camp. No, no, no. He's out of state now for sure. Oh, okay. I know that for a fact, but I couldn't tell you. But it's more of a local gym, more specialized. We've seen guys do well here, but at 37 years old with that long of a career, I mean, that last fight he had against Ben Askren, Dropped him on his head. Ended up getting submitted. Herb Dean really fucked that one up. So you can't. It's not like you can say that was bad fight IQ because it wasn't. He was just chilling out, relaxing, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, fight's over. He was so relaxed. He was just letting his arm hang there, and Herb Dean was like, oh, you're out. You're out. <laughs> Do you think? What about this? Just what if um, all that bowl of like uh, aspirin popping them watermelons got into Herb Dean's brain? And what if, let's say, Herb Dean didn't stop it, and we saw Robbie? Lawler's head go all over the ring. 
Everyone would, would be, have been like, her should have stopped that. They would they knew they would change the rules if not make it illegal. We would never yeah. be able to watch it again. Would, yeah. <laughs> it would be if a, that, that would have been the end. So that I'm just saying on a parallel timeline, her being did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> In one universe, his head's all over the canvas. Like In a UFC deathmatch. Like a watermelon. In UFC deathmatch, the little claymation <laughs> ones. Yeah, totally, totally. So, Robbie Lawler, though, he's a militage fighting system guy, wrestler, tons of power, can eat tons of damage. Um, In that last fight, takedown defense notoriously has always been good. He'll crack you, still has tons of power. They say power's the last thing to go. Gas tank has been good forever for Robbie Lawler, so we don't have to worry about that. He's gone five many, many a times, but... In this fight, he's just going against a bigger, young version of a machine who does have uh, deficiencies in striking, and that's in Colby Covington's perfect 14-1. and one. He's only lost to Warley Alves in a decision, but last coming off of a win to Dos Anjos, beating Damian Maya, beating Barbarina. Dos Anjos is the key to the MMA math in this situation. That's exactly what I was going to get to as well. The loss there against Dos Anjos, that was a Dos Anjos who overwhelmed Robbie Lawler with the wrestling. That was someone who was taking him down. Robbie Lawler was so frustrated by that fifth round of that fight. He was pushing up against the cage and just going, come on, ref, shaking his head and putting up his hands. And Dos Anjos was like, okay, dude, bam, bam, bam. We'll stay right here. Guess what Colby Covington loves to do? That's Colby Covington 100%. And that's where I feel like the craziness that we think of Colby taking this. And he handled Dos Anjos. Handled He did exactly what he did to Robbie Lawler easier. Yeah. Because he's a bigger version of both of these guys. Robbie Lawler has always been mixed in there. Some people say he's been undersized. I think he doesn't give up. They're both 5'11 here, but... To me, Colby just looks like the bigger person. The reach advantage goes to Robbie Lawler by two inches. I don't know if that plays as much because Colby's a smart guy in there. This stick that he plays makes him money one way or another. Mm-hmm. That gimmick. So if you don't see that, that's on you. It's making him more money so he's an educated guy and he comes together with game plans. And he's at ATT, which has notoriously had the best game plans out there. He just chooses to market himself a certain way. So this the hype uh, really changes people's minds and they put money against him because of that persona. Put your money where you want. But as far as a fighter, this is somebody who you can trust is not going to get into a firefight with somebody who's a better striker. This is someone who's going to keep shooting those takedowns against the cage until he gets it. And then he's just going to land that ground and pound until um, it's over. The interesting thing, though, here is that they have trained together. They've had years where they've worked in the back room. They've always been in uh, there. So... That's what Usman says is psychologically somebody has an advantage here. He's not trying to pretend that he knows who it is, but they know. They've fought, they've already gone against each other. Enough Even if times. one's gotten way better or worse, psychologically somebody has an edge already. I would agree with that, and I feel like it's Colby, and that's why he was like where the math doesn't add up why he's taking a dangerous fight because Colby's like, this isn't a dangerous fight. Like, I got this. Well, and he Colby is blessed by Street Jesus. So Ooh. he is training with the guy that has the hottest heat in the UFC right now. We know he's from the camp that's the hottest camp in the right. UFC right well, now. Robbie doesn't spar anymore, though. So th- no, maybe I just it was mean hospital. Yeah, just no, I agree. Jorge I agree. is just so smart and putting together, even down to you know the flying knee or whatever. I just think Jorge has way better hands, and that's where we've seen Colby's uh, deficiency for a little while. But Colby's 
wrestling is so good. He hasn't probably had to even work on his ground game for a long time. So I think it's been a long time since we've seen Colby and we haven't seen a healthy Colby in two fights. So what's a healthy Colby that's training with Jorge with all this energy behind him right now out of the camp that knows Robbie Lawler better than anyone. And frankly, Robbie Lawler's body is a body of that, that you can tell that body is different since USADA came and Robbie is different since USADA came. I don't care what you say. There hasn't been a good, Robbie is done. The last time his great fight that you've seen him in was when him and Rory McDonald took the last bit of life out of each other. And I just think no guy has been the same since. Colby's about to make his run. Um, he's the only guy that can threaten Usman skill set wise out of anyone, in my opinion, that's in this talk. Uh, otherwise, Usman just holds that belt until he doesn't hold it. Um, but Ra- I think Colby can- is Usman with tiny, tiny bit better hands, tiny bit better cardio. And that's a lot for me to say about Colby Covington. That I is a lot. Super, I think Usman's wrestling's better. Uh, where Colby makes his money, I think Usman makes a little more money there, and that's the dangerous part. But give me Colby. Give me Colby by decision or ground and pound finish late four five. Somewhere in there. Right. I think it goes later as well. I'm going to go Colby Covington as well. Decision. Uh, Robbie Lawler, you got to put him on some cards. Because he has the type of power. He has knees. He has, I mean, it is an MMA fight, not just a wrestling match. So, Robbie Lawler, at the beginning of every single round, has the potential of landing an elbow, a knee, something in there. And it turns into a real fight in I there. disagree. I think if you want to make your card great again, you put Colby Covington on I think it's sporadically. Would you recommend stacking it? Because on DraftKings, you're going to end up putting 9000 for Colby Covington against Robbie Lawler's underdog, 7200 He is the decided... Goodness, you know, against a lot of the other low people under 8000 I actually anticipate Robbie to get a lot more points than a lot of those people. Because he's going an I extra two like rounds. I feel like he's over 50 points regardless. So, the stack could be live. We just came off of a card where the loser of the fight card ended up winning the first place and the yeah. winner of that main event Point wasn't on DraftKings. Exactly. It just worked out because he allowed you to put on those favorites, which we have a lot of people I feel like that I really like in that 9493 and 8900. Yeah. So, I got to find it. I like that idea. I w- I probably would have stayed away from Lawler everywhere, but I do think he's potentially better than some of the other especially if they which they're not going to we've noticed that unless it's a pay-per-view they won't release that uh 8 p.m card as well but this fight starts at noon 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 this fight starts at noon I have to remind myself. Early times. Day drinking, early napping, eating crab legs for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be my Saturday. I'm planning it ahead of time. Making that money stacks. If you're following. Manifesting. You're going to be making some cash. I'm lady festing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's all I have to say about that. Thanks again for listening, you guys. Let me.